0: this is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle and Emily Fox. Coming up on the show today, we'll hear from some music workers who have had to leave the industry, some for good, because of the coronavirus.
1: Right now, I'm living in Oregon and I'm working at a vineyard for the harvest season.
0: That's coming up in 5 minutes. But first, let's check in on how local music venues are holding on 7 months since they've been able to host a show. Steven Severin is co-owner of NuMo's in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood. He's been rallying federal and state governments for aid and helping organize fundraisers to help keep venues alive. And he's been doing this for months now. It is too much.
2: It is too much. I passed out at 4 p.m. yesterday. I was looking at my phone, scrolling, looking at social media was happening for us. And I woke up at at 6.30 with a bunch of cats on me and uh, with my glasses still on and realized that I had just, falling asleep because I am exhausted. I have not worked this hard in way too long, and there's dozens of us, and none of us are getting paid for it. We're just doing this because we can't imagine a state without live venues,
0: Severin, along with NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association, and WANMA, the Washington Nightlife and Music Association, have been trying to get Congress to pass the Save Our Stages Act, which would give $10 billion to independent venues. That legislation is now stalled in Congress. But Severin and other Washington music venue owners are also working to get aid from the state.
2: We have a letter into Governor Inslee that we had a bunch of state reps co-sign And with their help, along with uh, the head of the Commerce Department, we've been pushing for relief money that has been already allocated to our state that's sitting there. It's corona relief funds, so it's whatever, you know, Governor Inslee deems as needing help. And we have asked for $21 million to help us get through this. And and that's still, I mean, that's still not going to do it. Like, we need pieces from everywhere to make this through because this isn't ending anytime soon.
0: Local venues did get a $2 million grant from King County this summer. But Severin is now looking for individual donations to help save music venues in the state. People...
2: They owe so much money on their rents and their insurance and past bills. And they're all holding on in hopes that the government will come and do something. And, I mean, frankly, that's the reason that we uh, launched Keep Music Live this week to ask the people of Washington to help out.
0: The Keep Music Live campaign is trying to raise $10 million in individual donations to help independent venues that are a 1,000 capacity or less.
2: If we don't get some type of funding, and soon, I mean, the venues are going to go away, and, and they're not coming back.
0: Neva put out a survey recently and reported that 90% of independent venues will have to close without federal aid.
2: I mean, that's the 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 misnomer, is that people think, like, Oh, somebody else will come. I mean, so many of the buildings that were in, they started as areas that, you know, like New Mo's was was Mo's Rock and Cafe originally, and that was Auto Row. It was cheap. Nobody wanted to do any kind of business there. And now it's an entertainment district, and and Pike is known on the weekend as the busiest corner in the state of Washington.
0: To help raise awareness, Severin and a few other venues in the area have put up massive signs across their venues. They look like those land-use signs we're also familiar with in Seattle. You know, the ones we've seen in front of hundred-year-old craftsman homes or old diners that show an image and plan to build a boxy townhome or massive condo unit. But these signs are fake, at least for now.
2: We did a campaign of these giant land-use action signs that basically says, if music goes away... Condos will come here. El Corazon has a seventy-foot banner. It covers the entire building. It's amazing. It's outside of Numos and the Tractor and the Sunset and the Central up in Bellingham with the Wild Buffalo. When I saw the actual picture, I've been working on this for months. When I saw the actual picture, was when I realized that. I could actually lose the venue. It was the actual realization. It was such a gut punch to where I finally like realized, because I'm so involved in working on it, and I get caught in the details that this is real and what it would look like if there was a land use action sign up there. I mean, it was, it was tough. And I've talked to a couple people that have... Said the exact same thing, like seeing those signs is just, it's brutal because it, it really brings home, like, this is something
0: that could happen. Meanwhile, NEVA, or the National Independent Venue Association, held a virtual music festival over the weekend to raise awareness about the Save Our Stages Act and raise funds for independent venues. Brittany Howard, Phoebe Bridgers, the Foo Fighters, and Dave Matthews were just some of the more than 30 artists that performed. You can check out those performances on NEVA's YouTube page and donate at saveourstages.com. You can also check out the efforts to save venues here in Washington State at keepmusiclivewa.com. This is Sound & Vision. So let's check in now on how music workers are faring amid the coronavirus. KEXP's Hans Anderson talked with three music workers who shifted industries during the pandemic. Let's start
3: with the obvious. The picture of a musician that you see on TV or the movies is really, really different from what the reality is.
4: That's Nate Omdahl, lead organizer for a local union called the Musicians Association of Seattle. He's also a double bass player. For example, um, I'm actually pretty good friends with
3: Katy Perry's stage keyboardist. He works with her when she's touring. And when he doesn't, he's got his organ quartet. And he plays at Joe's Pub on Thursday nights for a whopping 12 people. You know what I mean? So it really, being a professional musician, for the folks that are doing it as a career... I've found it looks
4: more like that. Now, both Katy Perry's tour and the Thursday night performances are canceled, putting strain on musicians who were almost exclusively reliant on gig work. A tour here, a wedding next weekend. Most of these events aren't coming back anytime soon. Because of this, Nate has started welding. He was feeling like COVID would only keep him from live performances for a few months, but... The longer this has gone, the
3: more I've thought about, well, what if they don't come back? I need to start looking for something else because I definitely don't want to be just sitting on my butt as often as I'm doing right now and want to be out there and being productive.
4: Nate considers himself fortunate in some respects. His wife picked up more work and she's bringing in extra money. He's a part-time W-2 worker at the Musicians Union, so he gets some regular income from that. COVID has shown him some of the inequity in gig work. It's laid bare the perils of being a contract worker fewer protections, paying out of pocket for work related expenses. He wanted something more sustainable. I mean the music industry disappeared overnight.
3: Once the show started canceling it was gone. So the temptation is for me personally to find something that was more that wasn't gonna be able to be taken from me that quickly started to become a real concern.
4: Now Nate isn't the only one in the union in this position. One of the board members picked up a barista job. A long-tenured percussionist at the Paramount is actively looking for work. Nate, through a friend, found work welding. And
3: I've always been curious about it and like building things and crafty kind of person. And it just sort of was an opportunity that fell into my lap. But it was right when I was questioning all of this stuff. And, you know, when I walked in there and kind of told him the tale, he was like, well, you know, man, what we say is uh, even a terrible welder can earn a living and that was just like the exact opposite of my entire professional
4: life.
1: Right now, I'm living in Oregon and I'm working at a vineyard for the harvest season.
4: That's Alex Markey.
1: I had always been kind of interested in wine, but just as a as a hobby or like as a as a personal interest. I never really thought I'd be working in this industry.
4: Before COVID, Alex was a sound engineer who worked festivals, conferences, sports games or any number of live events in Seattle. Back in March, Alex was holding out hope that the busy summer festival season would return.
1: I was still kind of in the frame of mind that like, oh, you know, this will be like a wave that will pass and we'll we'll still be able to work this summer. We'll still be able to have the festival season. It was really in April when I started to realize the true scale of what was happening and the, the, the real impact uh, that it would have on my life.
4: He was receiving unemployment benefits through the CARES Act, But when that expired over the summer, he started thinking about what to do next.
1: It was really emotionally difficult to be cooped up inside in my house doing nothing for six months, and a change of scenery sounded really nice. We're working in a rural area that's really pretty, and I missed the intensity of working. You know, both vineyard work and live sound engineering are jobs that are physically intense, long hours really just kind of occupy all of your mental and physical energy, and I was kind of missing that in my life.
4: As for his prospects of staying in music, Alex says he's already left the industry. When this harvest is over, he'll look for another job in the wine industry. He has taken part in collective action around raising awareness of the economic impact of live events, including Red Alert Restart. They have a series of statistics that he lists off to me.
1: Live events employ over 12 million people. This is just for the U.S., Live events contributes over $1 trillion annually to the U.S. economy. 95% of live events have been canceled due to COVID-19. 96% of companies have cut staff or wages. 77% of people in the live events industry have lost 100% of their income, including 97% of 1099 workers.
4: But music wasn't just a job. It was one of his main hobbies. His community was built around shows some of which he organized
1: being part of a music scene in a, in a community that's that focused on music as like the thing that connected me and my friends, my community yeah but really like it, it sunk in in April and May and it was uh, it was really hard emotionally I was pretty depressed for a while and felt pretty like stranded like I just like lost everything that made my life meaningful and I wasn't really sure how to move forward from there. And I'm still not really sure.
5: For me, it's less about the work that brought me to live music.
4: That's Kessia Gordon.
5: It was the music, the relationship to people, being in a space with people, giving people the means to listen to music. Like that's what it's about, I think.
4: Kessie has been a live sound engineer since 2014 and a musician since she was a kid. Kessia was a tour manager and sound tech for JSOM in winter when COVID first started to enter the public consciousness and was planning on touring with Chromatics this year, which didn't happen.
5: I haven't been like actively looking for work because I I think that there was a period of time where I experienced a lot of grief. And I, I, I think that a lot of folks in our industry aren't, at least my experience has been like people aren't really talking about the grief that they feel.
4: Much like Alex, Kessia assumed the summer festival season was still on. Then that was canceled. She began to acknowledge that much of the situation is out of her control.
5: You know, I've really centered my healing in the past couple of months. Like, I've really centered having this time to evaluate how I want to move through the world. Like, what type of person I want to be. How involved I want to be in community building.
4: Live music was at the heart of that.
5: You know, that's where people come together and, like, listen and engage and, like, laugh and party and I want that back but I don't know what when that's going to happen so we have to we have to find new ways to create meaning with each other.
4: Kessie has been taking on a myriad of other projects, some recreational carpentry, a lot of time helping her sister with her small business. She's also stressed that not only is this a pandemic, but an historic social justice movement, a movement that has raised questions for her about whether just reviving the music industry as it was and getting everyone back to work is the most pressing thing to be done.
5: I think I'm resistant to like fight so much for the status quo of like working. I don't want to fight for the comfort of, like, working. Like, I want to fight for what brings people together, what brings, like, laughter and, like, deep connection and, like, the visceral experience, which is, like, again, why I got into music.
4: Jeff Bezos didn't make his billions as a tour manager, Warren Buffett didn't get rich throwing parties in warehouses. But the people who do these things are looking for ways to both survive and connect with their communities amid the pandemic. Nate Omdahl, as a leader at the Musicians' Union, sees this as a time to implement long-term changes that he's been working towards for years. Things like all-electronic ticketing and paying musicians up front. For him personally, it's also revealed a fundamental truth.
3: It's more of a calling than a profession even, right? So it's not something that you quit even if you take some time off, you're still, you know, I was talking with a really good drummer friend of mine and he was saying like, yeah, we get it in our heads that what makes you a professional musician is having a full calendar. What makes you a professional musician is that you care about music and that you, you care about the people that make it. And that's what this is showing me right now.
4: It's easy to conflate losing work with losing money. It's almost assuredly true and easily quantifiable, but communities have value that's difficult to put into numbers. For KEXP, I'm Hans Anderson.
0: That was Sound and Vision. Before we go, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And like independent venues and independent musicians are looking for support right now, it's also time to remind you that KEXP is an independent radio station, meaning listener support makes up the majority of our funding here at the station. Please consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this podcast at kexp.org slash sound. Most of all, thanks for listening.